Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The sermon you're hearing today was preached at the 1984 Seabreeze Camp Meeting in Hope Sound, Florida by John White. It's a stirring message titled, Quench Not the Spirit. I trust you will enjoy this message. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. We're glad to see Many of our friends, some people I pastored down through the years, I whispered to some, it's a shame you had to come all these miles and spend all that gasoline money to hear me this afternoon. But I'm glad that you're here. God is good to us. These truths are rich and deep and searching. If you haven't gotten hit or haven't gotten some instruction to move, there's something wrong with you. Because regardless how spiritual you may be, it's wonderful that God will give us new lights so that we can climb a little higher and dig a little deeper and go back to the churches back north, east and west, wherever we might be, and praise God for the victory in our own soul and look forward to seeing a year of old-time blessing on the church like we haven't seen in a long time. Will you stand with us, please, for a word of prayer? We thank you, Father, for these that have gathered together in the tabernacle this afternoon. We thank you for this wonderful song that has just been sung. We realize that without the blood we have no hope whatever. For the Bible teaches us that the life is in the blood, and the blood, Lord, was given for atonement of the soul. We pray that thou would bless in the message this afternoon, the messenger, the word as it goes forth, the hearer. And may thy will be accomplished in each and every one of our hearts. Prepare us for the evening service. Bless Mother Smool as he is now preparing God for that service. And if thou should tarry, give us many, many outpourings throughout the remaining days of this camp. Meet every need and we'll praise thee for what's done for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When I was informed that I should be one of the speakers, I asked God, what would you have me to preach? The Lord laid upon my heart a message that's found from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. There are only four simple words in this verse, but a very important passage of Scripture. Quench not... The Spirit. I feel that this is probably one of the greatest warnings that we have given to the believer in the New Testament. We find that when God was giving us information and direction concerning the third person of the Trinity, 
that God told us in very direct ways that we should be very careful in our treatment to the Holy Ghost. As I travel about from camp to camp and church to church, I find many good people. They are not people that are running to the world. They are not people that look worldly in their attire. They are not people that are pursuing the times in which we live. Yet they seem many times to be very distressed and very discouraged. Many times I've asked myself, what seems to be the problem in the holiness ranks? For being a boy that was always raised in a holiness church, never attending anything else, remembering what we call the glory days when the fire fell, when the victory was in almost every service that we attended, I find that there seems to be something missing among our ranks that does not satisfy our people like it used to be. Again, I begin to think about the words that is in the text that I have read to you this afternoon. And I find out that first of all, we ought to be very thankful that God so privileged us that we might have the Holy Spirit. While God gave his only begotten son to the world, that sinners might be saved and unbelievers might come into the family. After we have been thoroughly saved and converted and justified and forgiven, then God has a special gift for us that will accept it on his terms the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what I am finding is that a lot of folks that claim to have the Holy Spirit are not letting him operate within their own lives the way that God would have him to give, to operate. Now, God did not necessarily give us the Spirit just so that we can shout the aisles in our church services. While this is one of the benefits of having the Spirit, someone that is gloriously saved before they are entirely sanctified, has every right to shout the victory up and down the church aisle at their home, wherever they are. For we find that the rejoicing that comes in conversion is real, it is deep, it is something that is rich to those that will go all the way with God. We find that the Holy Spirit was given for many reasons in the New Testament. Yet I find that there are some of our folks that refuse to let this gift of God do for them what God wants it to do. For the very message that we have before us is a warning not to quench, not to smother, not to extinguish, not to choke, not to put out the Holy Spirit within our lives. Now why is God so concerned about you and I letting the Holy Spirit have his way deep within us? For the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit makes our very body his temple. Everywhere we go when we are right with God, the Holy Spirit is our companion and goes with us. Therefore, under any circumstance, under any condition, while we are filled with the Spirit, we can be victorious regardless of the condition of the age in which we live. The Bible says that our God is a living fire. The Bible tells us his servants are fires. And the Holy Spirit is symbolized by being fire. Therefore, the only way that God's glory can be manifested on it is when this fire is burning, when it's ablaze, when it's free to mount up and let the inner person know that God's presence is there with them and it is real. Now, I wonder... 
the reason why some people quench the spirit is perhaps ignorance at times. Maybe some folks are timid. Some folks seem to have a hang-up or a hang-back. But on the other hand, could it sometimes indicate that there's a hidden secret rebellion down in the heart that the individual hasn't completely given themselves over to God, that they haven't surrendered all of themselves so that he at any time can do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it? Is it sometimes an inner act that outside people will never know about that causes us to reject what God wants at the time that God wants it? Until we arrive at the place where the Holy Spirit, who would have taken over and brought glorious victory, is hindered from doing so. As I look into the passage of Scripture that I would like to speak to you about tonight, there are seven things about the Holy Spirit that you and I must have operating within our lives. And if we smother that, quench that, extinguish that, we are in serious trouble spiritually. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus Christ said, And the Spirit would teach us all things. Now we go back to 1 John in the second chapter, and we find that this teaching is called an unction. Another place in the same chapter, he calls it an anointing. Now certainly we would not want to be guilty of putting out that unction, of smothering that anointing. But how many times has the Spirit come to reveal something to us, maybe about ourselves? Maybe about what we're doing, what we're planning, what direction we're heading. How many times will the Holy Spirit come to us and try to enlighten us on something that we need to be enlightened? And instead of Him bringing that light deep within us so that our victory might be greater, we smother it out. I don't need that. That isn't for me. I don't understand that. Perhaps I'm not the one that is involved in this and we'll put it off on someone else and the anointing ceases to anoint and the unction no longer unctions till the testimony now doesn't have the ring and the prayer no longer has the reach and the message no longer has the power and the singing no longer has the joy all because simply that God was trying to teach us something and we refuse to be taught Individuals that will not be taught are individuals that will not grow. When the little boy, a little girl comes into the family, they do not know how to walk, you teach them how to walk. They do not know how to talk, you teach them how to talk. They do not even know how to play, you teach them how to play. Everything comes their way through somebody teaching them what to do. We're born into the kingdom. We came out of a world out there. A world that had dominated over us. A world that had taken us in its direction. A world that had caused us to do what we wanted to do. And to manifest our own self-life within us. Now the Holy Spirit is come from God above. That he might teach us that we might do what God wants to do. And sometimes when we cannot reason out even what we know that God wants to do. We completely abandon ourselves to God realizing that he is greater than all the reasoning that we could put together. And in doing it, the unction and the anointing is applied to our heart 
until heaven comes down in our soul and we're lifted above the circumstances and lifted above the condition and we come to the place where we have a glory on the inside of us that the world has to stand back and take notice of. We're not a peculiar people because the way we dress. There are some people out there in that world that dress hideously. They would really stand out for their dress. We're not even a peculiar people because of the way we act. Because you go to some of these sports events and you'll find that they'll toss their hats and they'll run and they'll jump and they'll yell and they'll do nothing. But we are a peculiar people because of what we possess. God has put himself down on the inside of us. And that God that has put himself down on the inside of us is teaching us and instructing us and causing us to advance and causing us to grow and causing us to get deeper so that we might be able to take on more responsibility. But you'll find that people who quench this unction and people who quench this anointing will usually land up in confusion. And they'll say, I just can't understand it, Pastor. I don't know what way to take. I don't know what direction to go. And these folks, pretty soon they'll be led out into spiritual darkness for the light that flooded their heart through the teaching of the Holy Ghost now becomes darkness And they walk in that darkness on the inside. And when the inside is dark, the whole outlook on on life is dark. And some folks, all you hear them talking about the bad time they have. All you hear them talking about how rough it is. All you hear them talking about is the fact that they're having a hard time making it. But God was so good. That he wanted to put one on the inside that would teach us so we'd make it. The Lord hasn't saved us to abandon us. The Lord hasn't brought us out of the world so the world might stand around and gaze at us and say how foolish they are. The world has nothing to offer to us that can compare to what God has given us in the very presence of his spirit. For the Bible said, the kingdom of God is not meat and it's not drink. But it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. When that Holy Ghost comes on the inside of a man and on the inside of a woman and says, I want you to take this course and I want you to take that course. I want you to back up a little bit. I want you to dig a little deeper. I want you to climb a little higher. If we'll obey him, there'll be a blessing there that we'll never receive unless we are completely in obedience with him. And some folks, the reason they're not blessed is not the fact that God doesn't want to bless them, but they haven't been obedient to the blesser that lives on the inside. And the only way that we can be obedient to the blessers on the inside is when we let him have his way and we no longer take our way. In John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, The Spirit will guide us into all truth and inner leadership. I don't know, but in my own life, I found sometimes that pathways were dark and gloomy and I found out there were things that come. I didn't know what to do. Should I leave my pastorate and be an evangelist or should I be the evangelist and go back to pastoring? And Oh, there are times when you just don't know which way. God's blessing on every hand. It isn't the fact that you're failing. It isn't the fact that things are not what really you would think they'd be. Perhaps sometimes they're better than what you even deserve. But you need that inner leadership. I'm afraid in this terrible day and age of compromise, this terrible day of deadness and dryness in our church, 
that one of the reasons is instead of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, we begin to follow each other. Oh, how sad it is. God doesn't want you like anyone else. God wants you the way he wants you. God has so much of what he has to give that he doesn't have to give everybody the same thing at the same time in the same way. Aren't you glad that some of us can go to church and God so gives us something that it gets into our feet and we run. While others, he gives something that we sit in the seat and the goose pimples go up and down our back. And some will have hands in the air and some will have tears streaming down on the eye. But to mind his leadership, to know when to speak and not to speak and when to sing and not to sing. And how long to preach and when not to preach. And not quench him. But let him have his way, not sit on him, not choke him, not hold him back, not limit him. Like the children of Israel, the Bible says, you shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And the Holy Spirit is trying to give us an inner freedom and you're never free until you're free on the inside. And when an individual's free, way down deep on the inside, it won't be hard to be free anyplace else. When you're free of all feelings towards anyone else and all attitudes towards anyone else, and everything's clear between you and God and between you and each other, when everything's all right, you have a liberty, you have a freedom, the Holy Spirit will bless. But when we won't let the Holy Spirit guide us, we're in trouble. I often wondered, I've never really found out which is the greatest blessing, to forgive or to be forgiven. For actually, there were times when I had asked somebody to forgive me that I got blessed in asking them to forgive me more than I got blessed in forgiving someone else. Well, you say that's strange, but it works that way sometimes. Oh, when he'll guide us to an inner freedom... Somebody said, we didn't have much in church tonight. What was on the inside of you that made the difference? You went to church, you got your eyes on this one, your eyes on that one, your mind on this one, your mind on that one. Poor preacher trying to preach the truth, stumbling through it. Why, I'll be honest with you, I got more blessed sometime preparing my message than delivering them. I thought I have something. Why, you can go to church and preach on heaven and some people won't get blessed about it anymore. What's wrong? That inner guidance isn't there. When there's something down on the inside of you, says God, I'll go where you want me to go and be what you want me to be and say what you want me to say. Just take over, God. I'm following. And let the Lord take us where he wants us to go. Not hold back. Not shake our head, no. Not get to the place where we quench the spirit. John fifteen twenty six, the Spirit testifies of Christ, gives an inner evidence that Christ is alive. Well, I read the history books. I read about George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and all the rest of them, but they're not alive to me. I pick up this book and begin to read it, and I read about this wonderful Son of God that came to earth almost 2,000 years ago. And when I read about him touching somebody and healing them, it's alive down in my soul as if I'm right there. When I hear about him doing the miracles, the feeding of the thousands, and the walking on the waters, 
I get a courage. On, he's alive. He'll take me through my hunger. He'll take me over the storm. He'll keep me in the sorrows. For the Holy Spirit keeps on testifying to me that he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's real. When you begin to quench that reality of Christ on the inside, until you begin to doubt, well, really, did he do it? Really, could he do it for me today? Now, really! And you begin to bring doubts, fears, shadows, and question marks into yourself because you quenched the Spirit's evidence of Christ being alive. Oh, how many times we try to do things in our own power. How many times we'll take things in our own hands when the Spirit would just say, pray about it, leave it in His hands. I can remember one time I had a problem and there was the Holy Spirit did it and I couldn't get anywhere with this problem and I guess I used some terminology that scared the individual but uh, they didn't know what I meant. I said, I'm turning this over to my lawyer. My. I went home and went to the altar in the church and got down and prayed and turned it over to my lawyer. That's who I turned it over to. And stood back and waited until he won the case. Do you have that type of a moving of the spirit within you? That you don't hurry to the phone to make that call? Get the paper out and write that letter? Jump in your car and run down the road? Or meet somebody at the back of the church and tell them off good before they went home? See what he's talking about. You and I have the means. God has provided it. If we'll take our hands off and let him do what God wants him to do, the way God wants him to do it. And that's our problem sometimes. I'd like to see some people shout when their burdens are the heaviest, when they're going through the darkest valleys, not when they're always on the mountaintop. I went hiking one day, and I'll be very honest with you, I could hike through the valley quicker than I could over the mountain. I'm afraid sometimes, friend, that Christ has become dead to us. It, it's something of yesterday. We'll sing it in the church, and it doesn't vibrate on the inside of us. The preacher will preach it, and it doesn't do anything on the inside of us. Let's come alive through the Spirit. Let's let the Holy Ghost get this thing down deep on the inside. We're not just going through war, wars. We're not sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. There's something in our heart that speaks out. It's a reality. He's done it for me. He's done it before. He's doing it now. He'll do it again. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. In John 14, 16, he said, the Spirit is the comforter. He produces a peace. He encourages us with a divine joy. He develops an inner satisfaction and contentment. I've come to the conclusion that some of our people don't want to be comforted. They really get more out of all the time complaining. I've listened to some of our testimony meetings. They become pity parties. That's all they've come. I 
wonder sometimes if some people want the Holy Spirit to give them peace. Oh, they say so. But they don't act like it. They don't act like it. You heard about the individual that was continuously talking about an operation 30 years ago. Well, certainly it should have been healed by that time or they'd been dead. What was nice to remember it, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says when we muse the fire burns and it's good to know that. But what did God do today? What comfort do I have now? In what I face now in this hour, I can't go back when I was a boy. I can't go back to the church when I was a lad. I'm living now. I must have something on the inside now. I must have the Spirit now. He must be coming with peace in me now. He must give me joy now. I'm not looking for some other doctrine to go to. The second blessing holiness crowd has always been my crowd. I saw the saints get blessed. I've watched them pass over the river. I'm waiting someday to join them on the other side. I'm keeping true. We're satisfied. Sure, everything in the church isn't what we want it to be. Everything isn't going the way it used to go. But thank God he's still real in our heart. We're saved just as much as anyone was saved. And sanctified as much as anyone was sanctified. Or we're not saved and sanctified at all. He didn't change anything from the first time to now. Why, we're living the most blessed day there is. While the world's having turmoil, we can have peace. While the world's upside down, we can be standing straight. While the world's going around in circle, we can have our face set like a flint. We're looking for something. He's soon coming back again. Soon the trump's going to sound and we're going to be caught to be with him forevermore. Why quench this? I don't know about you. If I expect to shout all over heaven, I'd like to shout while I'm on earth. There's some people that aren't going to fit in heaven. Because they've never fit in some of the holiness churches here. It's been a sad situation. But when we quench the comforter, we land in despair, distress, and discouragement. It's so easy for us to discourage ourselves sometimes. The old devil will be there. They don't like you anymore. Look, they've been cold towards you. Look, why, they're not even looking over your direction anymore. And you'll get so discouraged about it. But when you have that comforter on the inside, he says, I'm still here. Everything's all right. I'm not talking about backsliding. I'm not talking about sinning. I'm not talking about living a loose life. I'm talking about good people that know they prayed through. People that are casting away their confidence in the face of God when they don't have to. Do you know why? We abandon ourselves from our faith to our flesh. And we become emotional in the flesh instead of having the demonstration of the Spirit. And the flesh will fail us. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is strong. Praise His name forever. In Romans 8.16, the Spirit is the divine witness to our sonship with God. His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It confirms our faith. Oh, when that inner voice says, it's all right. You can guarantee it's all right. 
I have people come to the altar and they'll say to me, don't feel anything. Just had a revival and somebody said, don't feel anything. I said, now listen, let's stop a minute. I said, how'd you feel when you left your seat and come down the altar? They said, guilty. I said, you feel that way now? They said, no. I said, well, you feel something then, don't you? I said, how'd you feel? Before? Oh, sad. I said, how'd you feel now? Well, they said, I don't have that sadness anymore. I said, you're feeling something then, aren't you? It's so many times if we're not careful, we're going to have to define what that feeling is. It has to be the thrill that somehow prickles upon our flesh, moves our nervous system. But all for that inner evidence, that witness of the Spirit. Your sin are now gone. They're under the blood. That past has been blotted out. All of that darkness will be remembered against you no more. You're free in the sight of God. And since he is the spirit of truth, he will not bear witness if that is not truth. So many of our people tied up to their physical, their mental, and their emotional I wish us get beyond that, friend, and let the spiritual take place. Isn't that what Paul wrote and said, you foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you? He said, you started out in the spirit and now you ended up in the flesh. What a sad situation. I remember the night I went to the altar to get saved as a young boy. I was so ashamed of myself. I went with my head down, tears running out of my eyes. I fell there in the altar and buried my head down. Back in those days, things were a little different. Somebody get this arm and put it up this way, and somebody get that arm up there, and somebody get behind the back, and they'd give you a tattoo, and you prayed. You didn't hang over the altar like a barrel or a bag. You got through. I remember we start praying, and oh, what happened? That head got up there. And I saw his face through the midst of my sin. And I heard his voice saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. Down through the years, that witness has kept me firm and kept me faithful. So that I'll make it in. Brother and sister, there are times I don't feel like singing. There are times I don't feel like shouting. There are times I don't even feel like praying. But in those times, there's something on the inside that goes beyond all those feelings and say it's still under the blood. It's all right. I'm taking care of it. Keep your faith in the atonement. And as long as I've met his conditions, as long as I've met his conditions, Keep that thing up to date. That spirit is going to continue to tell me it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Things come along your way that will almost persuade you to take another track and look another way. Maybe you're too hard. Maybe you're too strict. Maybe you've been taking the wrong course in the wrong way. But the spirit will say you're all right. It's all right. You're on beam. You're headed toward the city. Don't compromise. Don't give up. Don't get cold. Don't die. To sit on that wonderful evidence of the Spirit would be the greatest tragedy. I believe that you could get so saved and sanctified that you know it, that if hands were cut off that you could never clap them, you'd still be blessed. And feet cut off that you could never jump, you'd still be blessed. And eyes taken out that you could never see, and ears deaf and you couldn't hear, and a tongue that couldn't speak down in your heart, there'd be singing, there'd be music, there'd be blessing, you'd be jumping 
in your heart and clapping in your heart because the Spirit is giving witness that everything's all right. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to choke that out of my life. I don't want to go with these modernisms that we find today. Live like the devil, dress like the devil, talk like the devil, go the places the devil go, and just have something a little lively to entertain them once in a while. I want something that keeps the pure river flowing deep inside, keeps the tide high, takes me through the affliction, takes me through the trouble, takes me through the trial, and give me the victory. Romans 8 and 26, the spirit is the helper of our infirmities. That word infirmity means weakness or soft spots. Believe it or not, we all have some weaknesses and soft spots. There's always some place that something can touch you if you're not careful. A soft link. But the Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And since he's abiding on the inside of the temple... Since he put himself up on the throne of our heart and made this body from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, his temple, wherever that weak spot is touched by the adversary, he's there to help that infirmity and strengthen it. That's why we have to back up sometimes. That's why we may say something and then have to go back and say, I'm sorry I said it. We keep the victory as long as we say we're sorry we said it. It's when we refuse to back up that we lose the victory. There are places I've gone that I promised God if I got out of there, I'd never go back again and ask him to help me and forgive me for even being there. And I'm not talking about gross places of the world. That's how you keep the victory. Keeping that thing up today. Letting him help our infirmities. For he is greater than any opposition out there in the world. But to quench this help brings a stumbling, wavering, defeating, backsliding condition into our heart. Till we're wobbling about, out of balance. Trying to make it in our own strength and failing. I guess I was brought up wrong. But when I got saved and sanctified in the yesteryear. They told me that I'd get something I didn't have to keep, but I could get something that would keep me. You know, I still believe it works that way. When I said goodbye to the world, he gave me something the world couldn't give me. When I came out of sin, he put something in me in the place of that old sin that I never had before. No, it's not a hard way. No, it's not a rough way. I'm blessed going to heaven. I'm happy to be going to heaven. I want you to know that heaven's in my soul. And the closer I get to heaven, the more blessed I am. And I'm now... A long way near heaven than I was when I started. Praise his name. And gone too far to turn back now. In Romans 8, 27, he said, The Spirit make an intercession with us for us with groans that cannot be uttered. For the Spirit knows the mind of God and will pray in these groans to keep us in the will of God. What a wonderful thing. God puts something on the inside of us to keep us in his will. That ought to bless your heart over and over and over again. This intercession of the Spirit 
keeps me sealed, blameless, unto the day of his coming. I sometimes have problems, I think you do too, of being too much in a hurry. And some of you have problems of being too much behind. And some of you just simply have problems. But the fact remains that when he goes and intercedes, now, Father, here's John. He really wants to obey you, but he doesn't know what your will is in this case. Keep him firm. Keep him faithful. Keep him blessed. Keep him satisfied. Keep him true. And he intercedes with the groans that can't be uttered by man bringing me to the place where someday when he shall come the physical body that has been his temple so long the Holy Ghost temple with all of its infirmities and all of its weakness and all its failures will be changed in a moment to be like unto his glorious body and the corruption shall put on the incorruption and the mortal on the immortality and all of that shall pass away that would be weak and infirm. I don't think we realize how much Jesus Christ has shared with us. I said this before, but I'll say it again. He shares with us his blood that we might be redeemed. He shares with us his mind, for unless we have the mind of Christ, we are none of his. He shares with us his spirit. He shares with us his glory, his reward, his sonship. Someday he'll share with us the likeness of his body for all eternity when we are glorified and be in his presence. So why should we quench this intercession and produce error and delusion and destruction when we can be safe within the keeping of God? We don't have to have the outward songs when we have the inner song. The outer songs are a blessing, and I love music. But it's wonderful to have the inner song. As he said, being filled with the Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs unto yourself, driving down the road with a burden on your heart, tears coursing down over your cheeks because of things that you don't understand. But on the inside, the song of peace and love and joy by the Spirit. Just let everything in my hands. It'll all turn out. I think we need to be more aware, more keen about the working of the Spirit in our lives. I need, we think we need to surrender more to His presence. In fact, I think maybe we should ask God to forgive us for knowingly or unknowingly quenching the Spirit, hindering Him who God has given us to do so much. Listen, friend, you may not be able to depend on the pastor. You may not be able to depend on your denomination. You may not be able to depend on your family. You may not be able to depend on your friends. You may not even be able to depend on the members of your congregation, but you can depend on him. He will not fail. He cannot fail, for he is God. There's no shadow of turning with him. He is the same. He always will be the same. As he was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. And if you and I will keep in his will, we 
can keep the victory. No, I didn't talk to the crowd this afternoon that is backslidden. But I go to Revelation and I read this. It said, and some were dead. Some had robes that were spotless and they were the minority, a few names. But he said, some are ready to die. He said, forget about the dead. And he said, even let the spotless with they. But he said, strengthen those that remain that are ready to die. There's a ministry there that we cannot forget. We come to church to edify each other, build each other up in the flesh, not tear each other apart. And we do this because the Spirit of God is not quenched within our life. Shall we stand? I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fight. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.